Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to this episode of The Heart of Poker sponsored by 888Poker. Now if you're new to the podcast, I use a modified set of increasingly personal questions developed by psychologists 25 years ago. They had total strangers ask them of each other and the theory was, with the increased intimacy, the strangers might then fall in love. Now I've shortened the list of questions for time and I've updated some of them, but otherwise this is what they came up with as a shortcut to get to know someone on a deeper level fast and I'm here to help you all fall in love with my next guest. Christy Arnett is a writer, a former poker pro, and a content creator. I first met her, like many of you, through her work on screen for Card Player and other places more than a decade ago. She's become known for her searingly and endearingly personal content, both her writing and with her short films. Funny and insightful, she has an unflinching way of turning the spotlight onto her own struggles and making her journey feel personal to the audience as well as herself. She's started and contributed to some really important conversations, both in poker and out, and I really appreciate that about her. So thanks for coming on, Christy. I I know you have kind of a lot going on at the moment. (laughs) I do, but I'm really excited to be here. I've listened to episodes before, and honestly, when I was a poker journalist for eight years, these are the kind of things that I found most interesting about poker Mm. players is like who they really are and you know, the heart behind them. So I just love what you're doing and I'm excited to be a part of it. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I th- I've always found that the stories behind the people have been the thing that fascinated me the most. And we just don't have a chance often to get to know the players that well. So um, for the past year, I mean, the past year, let's be honest, it's been super weird for pretty much everyone. Can you give us an update on where you're at right now in your life? Uh, generally and also geographically? Sure. So right before the coronavirus, I it's interesting. I was, because I was just on another uh, radio show and they were asking me about my poker career. And mm. even in your intro, you said former professional poker player. And it's so odd to me now because I'm in such this big transition and poker has been such a huge huge part of my life for the past decade and a half. But right before the pandemic, I was playing lots of tournaments. I got second in a WSOPC ring event and then final tabled an event in the Aussie Millions and was ready to kind of conquer the summer as another, as a professional poker player who was Mm. now like obsessed with tournaments. And when COVID happened and live poker went away, At the time, I was living in LA where there are lots of live poker games. And for those who don't know, my husband is also a professional poker player. And when the live poker games went away, we sat down and had this conversation about, okay, so what are we going to (laughs) do? How are we going to support our family? And, And what's our game plan? His was to continue playing poker and figure out how to play online, learn the online game, study, do all the, all the things, the Sims, get into the lab, all of that. And for me, I had wanted to write a book for a really long time for years. And I'd been off and on doing it, but as a family, we decided, okay, this is the time. Mm. This is, it's now or never. Like if you're going to write the book, it's time to do it now while we're at home and we can't go anywhere. (laughs) It's either that, or you learn online poker. And so as a family, we decided to do that. Um, And so I've been writing a book. It's a memoir about love, poker, and taking chances. Mm. It's a story of 
Andrew and I, we met, you know, when I was 19, he was 22. That was 16 years ago. And over the course of our relationship, there was a time where we reached the brink of divorce and we used and leaned on everything that we had learned about risk, calculated risk from poker to rebuild our marriage. And so it's a story of that. And recently we moved to San Diego and that's where I am geographically. And I haven't played much poker since the start of the pandemic, but, and, and we know, I know we've got a lot going on right now. I'm currently pregnant with our first child. And so like things are, are, are changing, but I don't think poker will ever completely hmm. be gone from my life. I, I think I'm actually going to drive to Vegas this weekend to play one tournament oh. before this baby's born. So <laughs> good for you. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, yeah, I'm a little jealous that you can just hop in a car and drive to Vegas, but um, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I was, I had it in my script to call you professional poker player. And then I was looking over your Facebook page and it said former. And I thought, okay, because I know that you must be putting an enormous amount of work into, well, the book for one, but also you've been putting out some really interesting film content, some short films and about yourself and about your own journey. And so do you see yourself kind of as a content creator poker player slash like just kind of all of the slashes? <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I put former in there because I, I guess I want to be truthful. I'm not really mm. playing right now. So it's not my, well, I don't really, to be honest, I'm not making any money right now as I'm like <laughs> writing this book and creating content. But what I'm trying to do is, and I'm also really grateful for this opportunity, is focus on making, creating this baby and creating mm. this book and take advantage of this time before this baby is born. And, and yeah, I guess I just, I just really wanted to be truthful, but, but um, yeah, like I said, poker is always going to be a part of my life in some yeah. way. It really gets its hooks into you. I've found that as well. It just... It's kind of hard not to think about it absolutely every single day, even through a pandemic where I haven't been able to play for far too long. So yeah, I know what you mean. You must be itching to touch some oh cards, gosh. some chips. It's just, it's honestly, it's painful. It's great because I can see on social media, all of my friends and the people I know who are playing at live events in the States and, but it's so hard. It's really painful <laughs> at the same time. I'm like, yay for you, but Oh my God, it hurts so much. So, um, but I can't wait till I can get back honestly on the felt because I, I took a lot of time off too when I had a, a baby and this kind of came on the heels of that when I was just starting to kind of get back into it. And so, yeah, I'm really kind of doubly itching to go, <laughs> but <laughs> it helps to be able to talk to people who are in poker, poker players, other poker media people and do this podcast. So I'm definitely grateful for the internet. <laughs> Thank goodness for the internet. Um, for sure. And hopefully yeah. we're turning the corner and mm. international travel and poker oh, tournaments yes, are on their way back, I hope. Yeah, so do I. So do I. Okay. Well, we're going to start with the first set of questions. There are three different sets. They get a little more personal as we go. Um, the first one is pretty easy. What did you want to be when you grew up and why didn't you become that if you didn't? Well, the first thing I wanted to be, the first thing I can remember really knowing that this would be my dream life is to be uh <laughs> to be on SNL, Saturday Night Live. I was obsessed. Oh, yeah. I would record it every night or every Saturday and watch it on Sunday morning. 
and I would do all the characters. And my favorite was Mary, Mary. Oh my gosh. I can't even remember now. It's been so long <laughs> with the cheerleader. Um, uh, Shannon was just my favorite. Yeah. Uh, but I remember telling my mom, like, this is what I want to do. I want to be like a comedian or, or like, you know, someone who is an entertainer. And my mom was born in a South Korean orphanage or well, she wasn't born there, but mm. she grew up there until she was 11. And so her main goal for me was to not, not to struggle. So she would just be like, I mean, you're never going to make money doing that. It's so hard. Mm. Why don't you like become a doctor, a lawyer, a pediatrician, a realtor, you know, these very solid career choices that mm -hmm. I think she believed would lead me down a life that didn't have a lot of financial struggle. So that was pretty quickly not what I pursued. But yeah. um, but my second dream, I remember watching Brooke Burke. Um, she did this show called Wild On on E! E! Entertainment. And she would tour the world and show you the coolest places where you could do vacationing and spa or whatever. And I was like, okay, no, that's my dream job. I want to be a host. Yeah. And shortly after that, I saw Shauna Hyatt and she did similar things for the world poker tour. And I was just getting a poker that became my dream job. And so <laughs> eventually I sort of did that. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of funny how it evolved. Mm. Um, but I do remember meeting Shauna Hyatt for the first time at the NBC Heads Up National Championship and thinking that I, I guess I forgot that the things that you dream about are actually real and like real, real people <laughs> exist. Like the right. people on TV are just real humans and she was amazing and super sweet. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. I actually never got to meet her. Um, we never crossed paths and I've always kind of wondered that. So that's nice to know. She was kind of the standard, like the gold standard for, um, for women as hosts in poker when I entered the the arena as well, you know, pretty close to the same time I think that you did. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I remember thinking everybody loves Shauna Hyatt. So, yes. you know, <laughs> do your best. You're probably not going to be able to get that high, but do your best. So yeah, it's nice to know that she's a nice person as well. Hmm. Okay. Well, the second question is if you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? So would it have to do with kind of like the maybe not pressure, but the the this not so subtle direction towards more traditional careers, or what would you say? So as I'm now becoming a parent, I'm thinking about lots of the different ways that I want to parent my child. And mm. one of the things that I have learned over time is that the way I grew up, the way my mom pushed me to be was extremely results oriented. Hmm. Get the grades, get the accomplishments, get the win at all costs. And if you do that, that's when I will be proud of you. That's when I'll give you love. And and I don't fault my mom for thinking that way. I mean, that's how most of society thinks. It's like, you know, get your, you mm -hmm. know, the the tallies on your belt and have the trappings of success and and then you'll be fine. But what I have had to relearn and what I will hopefully teach my child in the future is to really focus on process and praise mm. process and effort. Um, 
you know, resilience, more of the the being that is required to ultimately have success come out of because mm-hmm. one that's much more sustainable for a joyful life mm-hmm. and two it's actually much more efficient it actually works much better uh, but but yeah my mom was such a tiger mom that she pushed me so hard to have these accomplishments that I worried more about people thinking I was good than actually being good at whatever it was and I also was willing to compromise relationships in order to win because I needed that so badly and, you know, because I just wanted my mom to love me and be proud. Mm-hmm. So that's probably one of the things I would change, although it's really hard because I really like who I am and the journey that I've been through. So not that I regret that, but definitely something I would change in terms of how I parent my future child. Right. Yeah. It does really focus the mind, you know, having a, a child of your own, it really does. When you think about what are some of the, you know, the really great things I want to take forward and what are some of the things that I want to change for the next generation? Because I, I imagine every generation changes in that way. Like everybody looks at their parents and says, okay, this didn't work for me as a kid. So I'm not going to do that. And do you ever, I, I mean, I wonder in a, in a year or two from now, if you're ever going to look at what you are doing and think, I wonder what my child is going to look back and say, that didn't work for me because I wonder that personally. I, I think about all the stuff that I'm doing. I'm like, hmm, where is it that she's going to say, yeah, that definitely didn't work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, there's a couple things I want to say. First of all, I have really enjoyed getting to, in a very small and far away way, get to see you as a parent a little bit. And you're just in your social media posts, I, I'm like privileged to be able to get to like see a couple of the things and Aww. just your tone of voice and the the things that you're, you guys are doing. Oh, it's just so wonderful to see. Um, and Thank I feel you. lucky, lucky to get a tiny, tiny window <laughs> into that. Um, and second is that <laughs> – they they it's just like inevitable like yeah, it our is. kids are We're going gonna to screw up like <laughs> yes yeah and i'm trying to be like you know okay with that because no matter what happens there's going to be mm-hmm. a thing where they'll be like you know talking to a relationship therapist 20 years oh, yeah. from now on. Seriously, this shit is hard. Like it's really yes. hard. Parenting is super hard. So yeah, like it, it gives me such a much better uh, appreciation of my own parents, especially my mom. Totally. Like, you know, especially when I was growing up, things were very much more traditional in terms of domestic roles and what my mom kind of had to do. She didn't have a lot of choices in terms of you know, wanting to stay at home with three kids <laughs> and a dog and, right. and do all of those things. You know, she just kind of had to do the things that she did and she did the very best she could. But now looking at it with a parent's eyes, I'm like, man, I wish I could like go back in time and take her out for a drink and just be like, you deserve a spa right. day or something because that was hard. It's really, it's difficult. So good luck to anyone out there who's doing it because it's a lot of fun. It's pretty amazing. But uh, I wouldn't suggest it during a pandemic. So if you can avoid that, <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Okay. Next question. For what in life do you feel the most grateful? Man, there's so many things. Gosh, I wake up every day right now just so, so grateful. I know that it's a really tough time in this world right now for a lot of people. And sometimes I... 
am, I feel so, I try, I try to focus on feeling grateful rather than guilty, mm. but I'm so grateful for my husband, Andrew. He is the husband I could have never dreamed of. He does like the smallest things, the biggest things like go out there and grind poker for the family. Mm. And also at night, like there's like this, like, I just saw this like pile of hair of my hair ties on his side of the bed because at night he always pulls them out of my hair Aww. so that I don't. And then he like rubs my <laughs> head because he doesn't want me to sleep with my hair up because he knows sometimes if I do that, like I fall asleep like that and I get a headache Aww. and stuff. And, you know, and, and I'm so grateful to be pregnant. I know that, you know, I mean, we've been through such a yeah, long, sure. difficult journey to get here and I'm living in the best city that I, I love San Diego. My sister's five minutes away. So is Andrew's parents and his brother and his sister-in-law. And I'm just super, super grateful for mm. – it's it's hard to pick one thing right now. I'm just kind of like in this spot where everything is just really amazing. Oh, and you've also got some pretty wild hormones going on. So like ride that lovely wave of – Everything's yes. fantastic because it's really nice <laughs> if you get it. Not everyone gets it, but yeah, it's a really nice feeling. Um, in a very yeah. similar vein, what's the greatest accomplishment in your life? What would you say? This is an interesting one because my life has always been about trying to accomplish mm. these goals and things. And I used to cross them off as if that was my life's journey, like run a marathon or like win this thing or get this job or win this tournament. And of all the accomplishments that I have accrued over the years, none of them stand out, like no tournament wins, like none of that matters. But the thing that I'm most proud of is being a person I was proud, I I, I was proud of and of who I became in this, in um, the most difficult time of my life, which was when Andrew and I were at the, on the brink of divorce and healing from infidelity. And I, my biggest accomplishment I think is really is like who I was throughout all of that, um, to become a better person, despite having faced the mm -hmm. most difficult period of my life. And I think, you know, I mentioned this before, but my, I feel like this evolution of who I am as someone who isn't focused on like the things and the accomplishments, but rather like who I am. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's it. <laughs> you are so open as well about, I mean, about that time period and how you got through that. I mean, you've made a short film about it as well. Like what gives you kind of the the drive to, to put that out there? Because personally, I think it's fantastic. I think that we should talk more about subjects like this, like the difficulties, you know, in relationships and marriages or, um, infertility or, or loss or all of those things, you know, or body image. That was another one that I really liked that you did one of the short films. So kind of what gives you the, the push to put that all out there and kind of open yourself up so much so that people can have important conversations. I've really been reflecting on this lately because, and I used to say that I do this because I want to make an impact, um, you know, because I think I do have a gift for talking about really tough things and sharing them in a way that is relatable. But 
while that is true, it is for sure true. Like I, I am so happy to be able to contribute to these conversations and have people feel like they're not alone. But what I'm also realizing is that, um, you know, when I just shared the recent short film about the five years of infertility and us finally getting pregnant and the response I got was, you know, so overwhelmingly positive and people were telling me how much it meant to them and, and, and everything and, and how they didn't know that this is what I had gone through. I realized that a lot of it was healing for me to be able to express how I felt, what I'd been through in a way that was creative and meaningful. I used to, (laughs) I, I remember hearing like when I was like a kid or whatever, I mean, even like eight years ago, I would see people at the Grammys or the Oscars giving their speeches and saying, you know, music is a way for me to like express my emotions. And I just like, it was an outlet for me when I really needed it. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like that sounds so, that sounds so lame. Oh, really? Like this is how you express your emotions. But really like I get it now. Um, Emotions were always like hard for me. It's really difficult for me to express how I'm feeling in the moment or to talk to anybody about things that are hard for me. Like mm. even my friends, sometimes they just like, I just withdraw. But being able to tell a story and do so creatively and use music, it's like everything that I felt comes out in these things. And so it's mm. both, it's both, um, yeah, a way for me to contribute, but also something that I realize now is necessary for me to express my emotions, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I think so. It's for other people, but it's also for you, definitely. And I've found that it can be really uh, helpful to, to talk about or create something or write something about a difficult situation because it kind of helps me understand it in a different way too. I mean, you have to make things a little more simple in order to you know, put them out there for the public because you can't tell every single detail of the story. And somehow it kind of boils it down to like the really important parts. And I've always found that really helpful. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that there's, I think we, a lot of us have this idea that some of the things that we go through are, make us different or Mm. that maybe our feelings about them will off put some people. But I think that when you do start sharing, it takes a lot of the weight off of it and it makes you realize that you're also not alone. All you need is like someone to say, man, I feel what you felt. Mm. And suddenly it's like, there's a a weight lifted. I'm not encouraging everybody to just overshare because I think (laughs) that is an issue also. But, but when you have the intention of, of wanting to connect I think it's really helpful. Yeah. Okay. The next question is, what is one of your most treasured memories? Do you have kind of like a mental happy place that you go to? Hmm. And when I was looking over these questions, I thought I had an answer for almost all of them, except literally for this one. <laughs> I I have so many treasured moments that that mean a lot but there 
Well, so, okay. So when I was 20 and Andrew was 23, I guess we'd just been dating for like a year. We made a trip out to Las Vegas and I had never been there, but he'd been there before. And, you know, we had both grown up in the Midwest. I mean, he, you know, moved around a bit as a kid, but most of us, or most of our lives, we were just in the Midwest. So this first trip was basically an introduction into a new world. And we, I had a fake ID and we played our very first (laughs) poker tournament at the Sahara. And I remember thinking, I'd read about the Sahara. This is where all the legends played high stakes poker a couple decades ago. And I, the first night I bubbled this tournament and the second night Andrew Cash. And I was just thinking, man, he is going, like he could make it here. Uh-huh. I maybe I'm destined to be in the Midwest forever. And I remember like after I bubbled the tournament, he we walked over to the cafe. It was like $2.99 eggs and breakfast. And it was terrible. The eggs were running and the toast was burnt. And I remember thinking, well, if I would have cashed, maybe we could have something like better <laughs> than this. But but he he told me that, you know, I had I had played a little scared and that sometimes you just need to be more bold than your opponents, but that I had to make this mistake because as a poker player, you are constantly getting into new situations and becoming more comfortable in them and that I had to make this mistake. But next time I'm at a final table, I probably won't make that mistake because I'll Mm. have learned from it. And and I I felt like, yeah, that was true, but still – I I wasn't sure. And I, I just had this question, like, do you think that I like, can, could I make it in Vegas if I can't even hmm. be bold enough to make some moves at a final table? Um, so yeah, like I said, the next night he cashed and on the final night, the night before we were going to go back to Fort Wayne and <laughs> we had ridden a, uh, a Greyhound bus there. It took two days to get there and we were about to get back on that bus, but we had one last tournament to, to play and I ended up making the final table again. And I remember like around the bubble, there was this woman who looked scared. And I rem- I was like, I remember that look. She's huh. scared to bubble. So I made some bluff on her and accumulated chips and ended up winning the tournament for like 600 bucks. But it was nice. Oh, my gosh. It, it was it's like everything at that point. <laughs> oh, my huge. gosh. All the money. All <laughs> yeah. the money. More money than I had ever seen in my like that was mine at one time. And, and I just, and, you know, we left that tournament room and he like picked me up and twirled me around and there's like slot machines digging. And I was like, oh, we could make it in Vegas, I think, or I could too. And, and yeah, the seed was planted and a year later we moved to Vegas together. Wow. That's a really lovely story. It's very, like, there's a lot of beautiful sights and sounds that must stay with you. And I bet you didn't have runny eggs (laughs) after that. No burnt toast. didn't. We Good. didn't. I think we went to a – I don't even remember, but I think we might have gone to like a nice restaurant after. Damn. Nice. As So you should. Okay. <laughs> we have we have time for one more question in the second section. So what roles do love and affection play in your life? So how important is family to you? When Andrew and I first started dating, I remember one time he was like, you're not affectionate like at all. And I was like, <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know what you're talking about. 
my mom, she grew up, like I said, in a South Korean orphanage. Nobody mm. held, hugged her or caressed her. So growing up, I never got hugs. I never got cuddles. I just got like a slap on the back, like, good job if I did something well or won or scored or whatever it was. Mm. And so I had to actually learn how to be affectionate, learn how to be settled when people are giving me affection. And it sounds so kind of silly, but I really had to like breathe through it. Like people giving me like super tight hugs or even being like really tender in the way that they talk to me. Uh, And, but now I, I think I'm a pretty affectionate person (laughs) and um, Andrew thinks so. Maybe, I mean, like now, maybe I'm like overdid it. Maybe I'm clingy now. I'm not sure, but, but I love the cuddles. <laughs> I love the kisses. And I, I think that it plays a huge, a huge role in my life. It certainly as the evolution of who I like have become too. Right. So much of what the parents go through does come down through to the kids because, I mean, we can't see all of our own stuff. That's just, it's not possible for any parent. I I can imagine it must have been a huge transition for your mom to go from that kind of childhood and upbringing to being in America and having kids. And I think you have sisters, right? So having, having a bunch of girls, it must have been such a massive transition to this point where, you know, the kids are all grown up and and happy and doing their own thing. How has your relationship with her evolved? She was just here for a week and because my little sister got married and so she stayed with me. And I really actually enjoyed her company because I have totally let go of all the ways that I think she should mother. And I'm Mm. learning to embrace all the way that she does mother. And I see that she gives love in food yeah. in what she helps us do like she you know she made my sister's wedding cake and oh. i so yeah so it's been great um it's been great to see she's also softened uh, with her old, older age so she's not <laughs> as hardcore which is which is great too yeah probably good for her too to be able to yes. soften i imagine Okay, so the first question of the third set is, have you ever been truly terrified? I've gotten some interesting answers to this, and some people have never been terrified, which always surprises me. But uh, how about you? Have you ever been truly terrified? Uh, Well, when I was 19, I had a, a tumor growing in my stomach, and it was... It was really fast growing. And so I went into the ER on like a Monday and they said I needed surgery by Friday. And I didn't really have time to think about my mortality or what it could be or what it could mean. But I I just was just trying to prepare and figure out like what to do. But I think the moment before, you know, they, they like wheeled me out of my hospital room, which was where my family was. And Andrew was like walking me as far as he could holding my hand, but like wheeling, like letting go of his hand and being alone and getting wheeled into a sterile surgery room where I was about to be put out under anesthesia for 
surgeons that I didn't really know to go find what was growing in my stomach to see if it was trying to kill me or what. That moment, I I was terrified before the anesthesia kicked in, just hoping that I would wake up. I mean, because mm. I'd never had surgery before, just like, I hope this isn't it. <laughs> but wow. that was definitely the most terrified I've ever been. Yeah, I can imagine Andrew must have been pretty terrified for you too. Yeah. Yeah. We were really young and it was really, you know, the first, it was still in the first year of our relationship, but, um, but luckily it was, it was a cancerous tumor that was just removed and I never had to have any treatment after that. Um, so I was super fortunate and yeah. Yeah. It's good that they found it and, you know, were able to get rid of it like that. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, considering, you know, how great your marriage is, do you believe in love at first sight? Is this something that happened to you, the two of you? Um, I definitely believe in it. I totally believe it's possible. Hmm. I think that I was, I thought he was cute the moment I met him, <laughs> but I don't think it was, at least for me, it wasn't love at first sight. I don't think that's a bad thing, but Everything that, like every moment I spent with him after meeting him, I fell more and more in love with him. So hmm. I'm not sure, but I know I know people <laughs> say it's possible, so I believe them. Wow. Yeah. I'm still on the fence about it. I, I just don't think I believe in it. But I know that some people feel it happened, so you can't discount their their actual experiences. I just... I don't know. Yeah, me. but it could also be like the thing in poker where you like you always remember the hands you got super unlucky, but you don't really remember the times you got lucky. So yeah, when true. people say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry that girl I just met or whatever, <laughs> like you're gonna remember the times you said that and it actually was, and you're gonna share that versus all the people who are like, I'm gonna marry that girl, and then they're like, I'm not giving you my number or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's true. It, it, there's got to be something in that too. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you value most in a friendship? And are there any deal breakers for you? What I value most in a friendship is for a friend to show up honestly and generously. I think that I – I mean, I, I have a lot of friends who are, are people – who I enjoy hanging out with, but what matters most deeply to me is that when that is that they don't shy away when life gets messy. Mm. And I think that is a very rare quality. Not a lot of people have that quality, but I do have a couple of friends who, when stuff is messy, they don't make it about them and they Mm. are just, they just show up and they don't try to fix you. They don't try to push you or give you advice, but they're just there and they're like, all right, like I'm going to roll up my sleeves with you. <laughs> like, let's do this or whatever you need, or I'm here to just listen or reflect back to you who you really are when you forget, whatever that is. Um, and, and you know, the poker world knows like two of my best friends, Sarah Herring and Lynn mm-hmm. Gilmartin, they are the kind of people who – are so generous and, and such great listeners and they're, they're amazing, but they're Hmm. two of the people who I love 
love, love, love and lean on always. That's so sweet. And from the outside, the three of you always looked so tight, like like actual proper friends. And so it's, you know, nice to know that that's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. So when did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Given the hormones, oh it can't oh be that long I ago. Mean, it's like it's like it's like a daily thing now. <laughs> I there was what was it? It was a it was I think someone sent me a TikTok of a golden retriever, oh, no. an old golden retriever, oh, and no. it was a it was um, someone who does end of end of oh my god I'm gonna cry right now end of life. <laughs> photo shoots for dogs. Oh, wow. And so they were doing this photo shoot with the the, the dog and the owner and, you know, because oh. they were going to have to be put – I can't even – I can't even say it. But that was like yesterday. So wow. I don't know. Um. <laughs> Man, that is a hard job. Like a, I'm sure beautiful, but oof, there is something oh very – that is, that is painfully hard. Okay. Um, if we were to become close friends, you and I, what is something that I should really know about you? That I, and this is a conversation I've actually had to have with some of my friends, which is <laughs> that I love you and that if we are good friends, if I don't talk to you for a month or when I, I don't like text all the time, I don't like, I don't want to have brunch for like 10 hours, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I'm like I'm the kind of friend who will always show up for you and always make time for you when it's needed. But I'm just like not the kind of person who like small talks or texts yeah. all the time or like drinks a lot or you know what I mean? So like I've had to yeah. – like it's not about you. So that's what I would I would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I'm like that too. So that would be – Absolutely easy for us. Um, all right. We only have Perfect. one question. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we could totally hang out and we could talk about, you know, kid stuff now, unfortunately. That's what yeah, like we get, do. Like so. we would, yeah, we would get like super deep for like two hours and then we might not talk for like three weeks and yeah, then do it again. Sure. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, one last question before we finish. This one is. If you were to die this evening with no chance to communicate with anyone, is there anything that you'd regret not having said? And why haven't you said it yet? This is something I actually think about a lot. And I really try to say all the things all the time. And I think that probably the one person who I haven't really told much of this is is my my biological dad who I haven't really had such a deep relationship with but as I'm moving into parenthood I think that there are definitely some things that I want to say to him in terms of like understanding why he you know wasn't a part of my life for a while mm -hmm. and and acknowledging how difficult it must have been um, but other than that not really but thank you for the reminder because I should definitely <laughs> do that. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for. Um, that was actually our last question. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I mean, I know it's not the typical poker interview, so I hope it was okay for you, not too deep and probing. 
Oh, no, it was amazing. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I love talking about. I just, I know life isn't always unicorns and rainbows. And I Mm. think that when you get to know someone's story and I I like, that's what I'm obsessed with. I want to know everybody's story. Yeah. Um, That's why I think Uber drivers always (laughs) tell me their love life, (laughs) but, (laughs) but no, I love it. And I appreciate what you do. And, um, yeah, I've always I've always been a huge fan of yours. You just carry yourself oh. with such class and I think this brings a depth to poker players that I think is needed. It's not always just about crushing souls and <laughs> um yeah, that there it's are real people behind those. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we want to crush souls for sure, but <laughs> that's not all we're but about. But like so. why? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. That's a it's a lovely thing to hear. And I genuinely appreciate hearing it. And honestly, I'm really looking forward to watching your content through this next year and the films that you make and, you know, kind of what you write about because I am, I'm invested now. I need to know what the next chapter is. I need to read your book, I guess. So I hope you finish that this year before, you know, you have another big delivery. (laughs) Definitely. That's what I'll be focusing on. Cool, because we want to read this. All right. Well, thank you again for opening up and thank you all for listening. I hope you feel like you know the person behind the poker even better now. Join me next time on The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker.